0: a church actually being on the positive side of making a difference in the world it got me going I think LifeSpring that's a part of who we are I I love that Uh, early on I I remember it was one of the first years when I was here and and when I took over it was a much smaller church we were around 60 people Uh, but yet yet that year I think we had given $50,000 to different groups and different organizations different churches I was just so thankful and so proud to be a part of a group like that so thank you for being that way and um, maybe I'll have to send out the email in two weeks about no just kidding (laughs) and then also I just I I was sitting there singing worship and and of course I wanted to go three times as long because I I just love it when when we're singing but I know we got things to do today but um, you'd be really impressed with all the various things that people are doing Uh, around uh, this neighborhood, around this community. We had the people that were at Royal Family Kids Camp uh, helping kids out at that camp a couple of weeks ago, we had, you would have loved it Pastor Randy with his guitar uh, ministering with me on uh, and Jeremy on Wednesday. He was singing some old time hymns and, and and it was just such a blast that uh, that group that was up here today uh, they're, this is how radical they are they are all they all agreed it 's just crazy that they agreed to go to Aberdeen with me Tuesday night to uh, le- uh, we 're going to lead some worship and then we 're going to be preaching at a an event over in Aberdeen. And th- it's not like they're getting paid, right? It's just, yeah, sure, I'll go to Aberdeen. I'm like, you really, like, map quest it. It's not that <laughs> close. But it just, again, again, I hear these stories of what you guys are doing and, and how you guys are doing it. And I, I just love it. I love being a part of this church. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here. And I uh, just thank you for living out loud, just for being Christians, for being bold, for sharing your faith, for going into this community, realizing that church just isn't these four walls, right? That church just isn't what happens on a Sunday morning, but church is who you are uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. In fact, my message on uh, Wednesday was uh, every morning, every night, every day. And I think you guys display that so well, so thank you, thank you. Thank you. Well, last week we started our series, Behold, I Am. Let's say that together. Behold, I Am. And over these two months, July and August, we're going to be taking this time on Sunday mornings to look at who Jesus really is. Who who does Jesus say that he is? And, And there's these I Am statements of Jesus. You find them in the Gospel of John. He says, I'm the bread of life. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. And and I think spending time on these I am statements of Jesus, it matters more than ever before. I, I think it's important for us as a church to actually see, to investigate what Jesus has to say about himself. Again, in this age of the internet, in this age of social media where you can find anything about anyone, I think it's important that we would go back to scripture, back to the word of God. Instead of going to the internet, go to the word and see what Jesus has to say about himself. Who is Jesus? Really who is Jesus? Last week was incredible for me. I, I don't know about you guys, but that was powerful. I mean, it was just this amazing time. And, and we, we, we discovered this scene. Remember the scene? We had, a, we had Pete and uh, Wayne up here, and, and they did such a good job. Uh, who was Jesus? Which one? I, I forget. So Pete was Jesus, and then uh, Wayne, like, he was just all these angry people. And, and they did just a good job. I, I said they were having a discussion. My mom would say that they were having a heated discussion. Wow, I've mentioned my mom twice in this sermon. That's hilarious. Or twice today already. But he he says some things that riles up the religious leaders just a little bit. Right? Right in front of them in the temple. The temple where God is worshipped. Remember what he says. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Right? I am. Meaning, I am Yahweh. I am God. I am the I am. And again, he says it in the temple. Again, this is where God is worshipped and the jewish religious leaders by the way do they believe that jesus is god at that point no they definitely do not you know how you know they don't believe because they have rocks in their hands and and they're not just picking up rocks because they love to collect rocks they're going to throw them at jesus and yet if i look around none of us have rocks in our hands well i hope you don't Why? It's because when we look at Jesus, we believe he is telling the truth. Right? We believe that Jesus is God. We believe that he is the great I am. We believe. And because of our belief in him, we also believe what he has to say. Because we believe him, we'll also actually believe what he has to say. And by the way, that's even when you don't fully understand it. That's even when you don't fully, and you're not able to fully comprehend it. You still say, yeah, I believe that. You know why I believe that? Because I believe in Jesus. And whatever Jesus says, I believe. The theme of belief is very important for us today as well. Today we're looking at a scene where Jesus declares that he is the bread of life. Remember that? It's familiar, right? He says he's the bread of life. And whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Now saying that Jesus is the bread of life, in fact, everybody say that, bread of life. life. Right? In church... We'd say that's actually a very churchy saying, right? If you've spent any time at all in church, you're familiar with that saying. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, Jesus is the bread of life. Of course Jesus is the bread of life. Well, the danger with churchy sayings is we're so familiar with them that we can kind of think, I I don't know if you've done this before, I have, like, oh, well, yeah, I've heard that one before, right? Oh, yeah, I, I know what that one means. And what can happen is this truth can kind of go in one ear quickly, Go through and out the other ear. And I I really, as I was praying this week, as I was preparing for this message this week, I really hope that we don't do that today. Because this truth, that He is the bread of life, it matters more than we realize. Believing that He is the bread of life, it has the power to change everything if you start consuming i just want you to think about this if you start consuming and partaking of the bread that jesus has to offer the eternal life that jesus has to offer i'm just here to tell you you cannot stay the same you will be changed amen amen so i'm glad you're here it is good to be here before i go any further let's bow our heads and pray lord jesus i love you i love you that you are not silent but you speak and you speak these words to our hearts today. You speak these words to our lives today. That you offer us a bread. A bread that does not perish. A bread that does not spoil. But a bread that leads to eternal life. Jesus, you are eternal life. We love you today. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So this scene is in John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, tablets, iPhones, whatever you got, open up to John chapter 6. Now it, takes place in several different locations, but all these locations are around the Sea of Galilee. You heard of the Sea of Galilee, and and during this series, I want to show you different pictures from my trip in Israel. Last week, I showed you a pretty cool picture, if you remember. It was a picture that I took from the Mount of Olives, looking over the Kidron Valley over to the Temple Mount. Uh, This week, I want to show you some pictures from the Sea of Galilee. First, here's a map of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, you can't read that, but you, you got some places that you've heard of before that are kind of around there. You got Magdala and Tiberius and Capernaum and Bethsaida all around there at the Sea of Galilee. This next picture is me about to board a boat uh, that went on the Sea of Galilee. Here's the boat. There it is, and you can notice how calm it is on that day, which was nice. Here's the next picture. This is me kayaking on the Sea of Galilee. If you can notice, it wasn't quite as calm on that day. Uh, I was looking for Jesus to help me out. Uh, Luckily, the the guy taking the picture, he he kept on telling me it was okay. Uh, He actually, uh, he did the kayaking thing from Port Angeles to Victoria, which is just crazy. So I trusted him, but on my own, I would have definitely been freaking out. And then the next picture... Uh, this is uh, St. Peter's fish. It's a, a tilapia, and so we, we enjoyed that over there at the Sea of Galilee. And then the final picture, this is a synagogue, the synagogue at Capernaum. Anyone heard of Capernaum? Sometimes you've heard of it Capernaum. Uh, it's kind of Jesus' headquarters uh, during his uh, ministry years. Uh, this is the synagogue where some of this uh, takes place uh, in John chapter Six. So we're going to read John chapter 6, see how this unfolds. Verse 1, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So They see what he's doing with the sick, and so they follow him. Verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then, and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him Jesus turns to Philip and he says, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are, we, uh, what are they for so many? Now when the people saw the sign that he had done, and oh boy, what a sign that is, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king... So they want to make him king now because he's feeding them some pretty awesome meals. Jesus withdraws again to the mountain by himself. Verse 16, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, the same sea that I was on the boat in the kayak. He got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea, they saw that there had only been one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves, look at this church, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him,
1: Rabbi, when did you come here? Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. What must we do to be doing the works of God? This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I've come down from heaven? Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father my flesh. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh Drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever.
0: Now, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Can we thank Katie and Kent for doing an amazing job? (laughs) Awesome. So what happens? The beginning of the chapter, an amazing thing happens. The feeding of the how many? 5,000. It's a pretty familiar story. There's probably more than 5,000 there because that was just counting the men. But the feeding, let's be honest, it is a miraculous feeding. It's truly a miracle because the boy, remember, he had five barley loaves and he had two fish and yet by the end everybody is full everybody is content everybody is satisfied in fact there's so much food left over they collect remember how many basketfuls they collect 12 baskets filled with leftovers from the mill and everybody's kind of like wow if Jesus can do this with bread what else can he do and so they get excited. They're so excited, they're ready to make him king. And verse 15 says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So Jesus withdraws from the people, goes to the mountain. That evening, we have the story of Jesus walking on water, walks on water, gets in the boat. Now, uh, with his disciples, he is in Capernaum. The next morning, the crowd realizes. Where did Jesus go, right? Where did the disciples go? They find out where he had gone, and they follow him. He satisfied them with bread yesterday. Maybe he'll do it again today. And then we have the dialogue that you just heard between Katie and Kent, between Jesus and these people. And basically, Jesus is telling them, and, and I love that we have this scripture account uh, of this dialogue. Jesus tells them, I, in the bread of life he says you've been working for bread that perishes but I am a food that endures to eternal life and now I think we're all familiar with a bread that perishes right you've all seen what happens to bread in your bread box if you leave it in there too long it happened to me this week was grilling the hot dogs and and the hamburgers and went into the bread drawer and I ain't eating that that is not gonna go in my mouth right It, it doesn't last it gets moldy it is not edible but Jesus tells us that he is the bread that goes on so he is the bread that does not disintegrate he is the bread that does not perish does not get moldy instead he's the bread that endures to eternal life and yet if you dive into the story you realize that these people this is a really important point this morning that these people they don't really want Jesus for who he is meaning the bread of eternal life they really want him for what he can do which in this case is give them bread and i've studied this story as an adult and i and this interchange between the people and jesus it always gets me it always hits kind of close to my heart because how many times do you and i fall into this trap where we follow jesus not for who he is but for what he can do for us right like if i follow jesus maybe i can get some more bread right if i get in that boat if i head over to Capernaum, maybe i can get another meal out of jesus right if I, if I follow Jesus, then maybe he'll get me that job. Maybe he'll get me that permission. Maybe he'll get me that husband or that wife or those kids or, or whatever it is that you think Jesus might give to you. And sometimes he does give us those things. Sometimes he doesn't. But what we've done, especially in modern day Christianity, is we have elevated the things that he can do or the things that he can give us over who he is, where who he is just really isn't enough. And yet when you read John chapter 6, the message is clear. Jesus plainly telling us that who he is is actually more than enough. Jesus is all we need. He and he alone is the bread, the sustenance, the nourishment, all we need for eternal life. If you attended LifeSpring for any amount of time, you've heard me say this before, that we make Jesus out to be the spiritual ATM machine in the sky, right? That Jesus is this genie in the bottle who is granting us our wishes. If we're honest, we want him to be a magician, right? How many of us see Jesus as the great magician? Again, just consider the feeding of the 5,000. Nice trick, Jesus. Now what else do you got? When Jesus... I, I just... I I think about just the the attitude of Christianity sometimes, the spirit of Christianity sometimes. It says, what's what's the next cool thing you're going to do? Where Jesus is like, whoa, time out. Just hold up. Wait a minute. I fed you because I love you. I saw that you were hungry, so I gave you something to eat. But don't come to me because I can give you bread. Come to me because I am bread. Don't come to me because of what I can do for you. Come to me because of who I am. And that's exactly what he says in verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And this is so important because if it's all about him being a magician and and that he would have to perform these things for us to be satisfied, then guess what? He would have to perform again and again and again and again and again. But if it's all about him being my bread, him being my sustenance, him being my provision, then once I got Jesus, church, once I got Jesus, I'm good. I'm good. I got all that I need. Because remember, he said, you come to me. Hey, Danny Birch, I'm calling you. If you come to me, you will never be hungry again. You shall never thirst again. And by the way, I think we're pretty rational beings. If you aren't hungry and you aren't thirsty, then guess what you are? You are satisfied. You're satisfied. Jesus satisfies. And Jesus lets us know that the satisfaction... It doesn't come from the things of this world, even the things that he might give to us. Because sometimes the, Jesus does a miracle and praise the Lord for the miracles of Jesus. You ever done, uh, been a part of a miracle of Jesus where you're like, man, I do not have enough bread, I do not have enough fish. And then Jesus comes in and all of a sudden you have more than enough bread and more than enough fish. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But even the things, this is important, even the things that Jesus might give to us aren't what satisfies. Man, sometimes we just get stuck in that trap. Even those things aren't what satisfy Christ, and Christ alone is what satisfies the true believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Being satisfied is one of the biggest differences between those who are pursuing and seeking Christ and those who are not. It's just this issue of satisfaction. If there's one thing you'll notice in this world, it's a bunch of unsatisfied human beings. They all have this desire to be content, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. And we give it our best shot, buying stuff on Amazon, watching stuff on Netflix, doing this, doing that. Right? Just busy, busy, busy trying to fill ourselves up, to feel good, to be content, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. And Jesus all along knows that none of those things will satisfy Now that there's anything wrong with those things, I'm not even saying you shouldn't do those things. Live life however you think God is asking you to live your life. Live out loud for the Lord. But when those things become your attempt and your little plan for satisfaction, at that point, you have gotten off track. You have lost your way because there is only one who satisfies. Jesus says i am the bread of life i am the source of life if you come to me you'll never be hungry again you will never thirst again consider that in your own life are you satisfied in christ satisfied in christ another way to think about it is this where is your treasure i love you you, that was cool man like he's like jesus you're our treasure Jesus, you're our treasure. Remember that when he said that in worship? I was just like, wow. Because where is our treasure? As followers of Jesus Christ, it's a good, this is a good way to think about it. Is Jesus how we acquire our treasure or is Jesus our treasure? I want to say that again. Is Jesus how we acquire our treasure or is Jesus our treasure? Do we treasure Jesus? Do we live in such a way where Jesus is the reward? Do we live in such a way where Jesus is the goal? i love what john piper has to say i I mentioned him last week i want to mention another quote this week listen to what he says it bites a little bit there's a little bite to it he says people who would be happy in heaven if christ were not there they will not be in heaven i want to say that again he says people who would be happy in heaven if christ were not there will not be there the gospel is not a way to get people to heaven The gospel is a way to get people to God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. That's good, right? Do we really want God? Do we really want Jesus above all things, above everything else? Do we believe that he is the goal, that he is the treasure, and that if we have Jesus, we have everything we need? Do we truly believe that? Often I think this lack of treasuring, and and we all come uh, face to this in our own lives from time to time, but this lack of treasuring, I think, it comes from the fact that we don't realize how much we are in desperate need for Jesus. We don't understand how much we really, really need Jesus. So you kind of just live your life, and then you hear about Jesus, and you're like, "Oh well, Jesus, that sounds kind of nice. I think I might give Jesus a shot." So you kind of try Jesus out. You 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 tack Jesus on. You add them to what you're already doing. So you just continue to do the same things you've always done, live the same life you've always lived. But now you got Jesus with you, and maybe Jesus can help you out and kind of do some things for you. Jesus is this addition to your life. But church, Jesus is not an addition. You don't just... Add Jesus. You don't just add a little more bread to your life, right? Like he's just one more thing that you're consuming in this world. That we have to understand this. If there was a buffet of life, and and I love this analogy because I love food and I love buffets, but just consider if you were at the buffet of life, you need to understand this. If you don't go to the table marked Jesus and consume the bread of Jesus you will not survive. It it doesn't matter what else you consume. It doesn't matter what else you do. If you do not go to Jesus and consume of Jesus, you will not survive. Without the bread of life, without the bread of Jesus, you are dead. You're dead. Without Jesus, you're dead. His bread, it's not an option. It's not just a possible addition. Kind of just like this improvement to your life. Without His bread, you have no life this is how the apostle paul talks about what jesus has done for us he says god is so rich in mercy and god he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins god he gave us life when he raised christ from the dead it's only by god's grace that you have been saved See, here's the reality of every person on this earth. Apart from Christ, we're all dead. In your sins, you're dead. Without Christ, by the way, you're not just struggling with sin. Without Christ, you're not just having a tough time with sin. Without Jesus, you're dead in your sin. Nothing else matters. None of your endeavors, none of your quests, none of your pursuits, none of your ambitions, none of your goals. None of it matters because in your sin, all you are left with is an eternity without Christ. And so in your sin, you're dead. But by God's love and by God's grace, you don't have to be dead. Because of God and because of his grace, because of his love, you can be alive in Jesus. Like fully alive forever in Christ. Because Jesus, and the call is the same today, Jesus says, you know what? Yeah, you're, you're a sinner, but if you come to me, if you believe in me, I will stand in your place I will take the punishment for your sin so that you can have life I will take the penalty I will take the judgment yeah, the judgment you deserved. I will take it upon me. If you trust in me, if you believe in me, you can be saved. If you eat of my flesh, if you drink of my blood, the Father, when he looks at you, he'll no longer see you. He's going to see me. He's going to see you forgiven of your sins. He will see the perfect Lamb of God, the one who is pure, holy, righteous, blameless. Instead of you being dead in your sins, Jesus says, you're going to be alive in me. Hallelujah. And today, I just think today would be the best day ever if some of us woke up to the reality. Just come on, like, like just, we could just face the reality of our life. We say, wow, you know, hold up. How I'm living, how I'm living my life, how my every morning, every night, every day life has been going. I might need. Jesus, because I might, I just might be walking a dead man's life. And it's not satisfying. And I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive. I'm tired of living in anxiety and worry and fear. I want to be content. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be satisfied. And if that's you, today Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And he wants to be everything for you he has the power to do that in you right now you just got to believe in him in fact that's what jesus says and, and and i i thought kent did such a good job but listen to what jesus says to every person who comes to him and believes in him verse 38 he says all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never cast out for i have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. Look at the love of God here. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and everyone who believes in the Son should have eternal life, and I, the Son, will raise him up on the last day. There's a promise for every person in this room. Every person, the promises, every person who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Every person who comes to Jesus, who partakes of his bread, will have eternal life. And as your pastor, I just want to say this. It might be time for some of you to begin to rest in that promise of God. Rest. In that promise. That you don't have to chase after the things of this world to find life. Anybody exhausted from chasing after the things of this world to find your life. You don't have to chase after anything. Because you already have everything you need in Jesus. When you have Christ, you have life. When you have Christ, you have the fullness of life. Rest in the life that you have in Christ. Again, be satisfied in Christ. I want to challenge some of you. What would your life look like if you woke up in the morning satisfied? If you woke up in the morning content in the life that you have in Christ? You wake up, you go, okay, I got all that I need, all that I would want I have in Jesus. So I got a life to live. I got a day to walk out. So Jesus, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do, right? Can you imagine what your day would look like if you went into your day from a place of fulfillment, from a source of nourishment? It would change everything. It would change how you interact with people. Instead of your relationships that you go into for your day, instead of them being this burden, they'd become an opportunity. As someone who right there is content and satisfied, full of Jesus conversations now would be this opportunity to serve Jesus to others. Instead of you trying to get your satisfaction out of another person, have you ever tried that where you're expecting another person to meet all of your needs? Has that ever in the history of mankind ever worked? But instead of trying to get your satisfaction out of another person, instead you say, no, I am satisfied in Christ. Instead of a relationship being an opportunity to take from somebody, that relationship is an opportunity to give, an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. Can you imagine with me what relationships would look like if we always went into them full and satisfied in Christ, looking for opportunities to give? Can you imagine what our town and our towns would look like if we all left worship times like this? And I love coming together on Sunday mornings, but can you imagine if we left Sunday mornings completely satisfied in Christ, so full of the Lord that when we go out, we just start passing out bread everywhere we go, whether it's the grocery store or the gas station, we're just passing out bread to every person we meet it kind of gets you excited well i'm excited (laughs) see our hope is that when you come to life spring you get a picture of jesus that you would sing about jesus you'd hear about jesus but you'd also sing to jesus and hear from jesus and find your satisfaction in jesus Because there's people in your life, people that I will probably never meet, but there's people that you know they need the satisfaction that only Jesus can give. Seize the opportunity that's before us today that you can live satisfied, that you can live a life that matters, a life that is feasting on Jesus, but then you can also share it with others. As we close the day, I'll ask the worship team to come on up. Chapter 6, if you, if you know, if you've read it before, you know it actually ends with a scene that kind of breaks your heart. Because after this big discussion that Jesus has with these people, you'd think that everybody would receive him, right? That everyone would say, yeah, all right, Jesus. Receive that bread of life, leave satisfied. But instead, the Bible says that after this, this is what the Bible says, after this, many of His disciples turned back and they no longer walked with Him. I know it's harsh, but let's read it together. I want us to understand this. After this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. See, they were more interested in knowing and experiencing what He could give to them Instead of knowing and experiencing Him. And so they walked away. They didn't treasure Jesus. And sadly, we all know this, right? This still happens every day. Every day. People still hear the gospel. People still hear the wonderful, glorious, good news of Jesus Christ. That if you feed on Him, that you'll be full. If you, you, if you receive His bread, you'll never be hungry, never be thirsty again. If you feed on Jesus, you'll live and you will not die and yet, people every day refuse to believe and leave unsatisfied. But what about you? This morning, do you believe in Jesus? Do you receive the life that he offers through his body broken for you and his blood shed for you? I hope the answer for all of us is yes. I'm praying that anyone that might hear the good news of Jesus Christ today, that anyone who would hear about this bread of life, that every person here would say yes to what he offers today. He is calling every one of us today to receive him, to enjoy him, to be satisfied in him, but also to share him with others. And so this is what we're going to do as we close. We're actually going to pass out communion to you. And, and, And these communion cups, they're, They call them communion to go. (laughs) Uh, The wafer and the juice are all together in the same little neat package. And I encourage you to take one. And we're going to receive communion together. And as they pass it out, we're going to go ahead and sing this song. And then I'll actually lead us all together in taking communion together. Church, uh, if you take off the uh, top little foil here, or plastic, there's the wafer. And again, the opportunity is here as it was 2,000 years ago for us to receive the bread of life. If you choose to believe in Jesus, that he is the only way to eternal life, I invite you to receive his bread together with me. Let's do that now. And then if you take the entire lip and then open it up carefully. In our sin, we were separated from a holy God, from a perfect God. But Jesus has washed our sin as white as snow. We are forgiven in Jesus. If you believe that, receive His blood together with me. Church, let's stand up. We're going to sing this together, that we are hungry for him, hungry for more of Jesus. We love you, God. He's that good, huh? He's that good. Jesus, you're that good. You're all that we are living for. Jesus, uh, it's just amazing to remember you uh, today. And uh, you're so gracious towards us. Like, let's be honest, church, we all get off track from time to time. We, We lose our focus. We lose our way. And God, by his grace, he's so good at calling us back. Uh, to the right path, to the narrow path and Jesus the message is so clear today that you are bread, you are eternal life, that you are life, Christ is life. So we thank you for that Jesus. Church as you go from this place I, I want to encourage you there to go for a reason if you happen to know someone in your life that you, you just know you need to share. Jesus with, I'd encourage you just to take one of those with you, uh, kind of as a visual reminder uh, that you are to share Jesus with others, that we would stop interacting with others, trying to get our fulfillment out of others, but we had come already satisfied in Christ, ready to share Jesus to the world. So maybe if that's you, if you have a friend or a family member or a loved one Maybe a boss, Uh, maybe it's more dangerous than that. Just bring uh, one of those with you home. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you've really struggled uh, waking up in the mornings. Maybe uh, you've just tried to find your fulfillment and satisfaction chasing after the things of this world. Again, that's a pretty normal thing to do. You've got to stop shaming yourself and condemning yourself for that. It's pretty easy for us as humans to walk down that path. But Jesus is here again by his grace and his love reminding you that you can wake up satisfied in Christ before you do even one thing. You can feel the fulfillment, the contentment, the satisfaction that is found in Jesus. So maybe you need to grab one of those and just put it by your nightstand so that when you wake up, you can be reminded that you are full in the Lord. So I I don't know, I'm not going to tell you you have to do any of those, but uh, I just want to encourage you that this week as you go into the real world outside of these four walls, that Jesus is still who he says that he is. His truths don't just stay in these walls, he is as true out there as he is in here. And out there as the lions roar and the enemy attacks, may we be able to shout that my God, my Yahweh, Jesus Christ, he and he alone is my satisfaction and when I come to him I know I will never thirst and never be hungry again. That's what we got, church, in Jesus Christ. With that truth, go.